The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. It is March 25th, 2020. James, we are still in limbo here. I hope everybody out there is being safe and hopefully you're staying in, uh, inside, not, you know, helping flatten the curve a little bit. James, how are you doing today? Uh, how are you holding up? I'm doing good, man. I'm I'm getting used to this working from home thing. It's, it's not so bad. You know, I <laughs> I've actually been like eating better and feeling okay too. Uh, but yeah, I, I, the thing is that tomorrow's opening supposed to be opening day. Just that's been on my mind. You know what, what could have been. Um, it's sad. I, I did see the MLB is doing that. Uh, you know, opening day from home thing. That's kind of fun. I've been trying to teach myself chess. James, um, nice. It's have you ever played chess? You're into it. Yeah, I mean, it. I don't think it's a complicated game to learn. No. I think it's a tough game to get good at. Yeah, it really is. It's a fun game, though. I didn't realize how right. fun it is, and it's very simple. 
Really, but yeah, it's very tough to master. And I'm so, I bought this little game for the Vita, PS Vita, and the, the level one little girl has been just whooping my butt, putting me in the ground. Um, but I'm gonna get past her soon. But I've been trying to do that. I've been trying to. I've been doing yoga too. Past this was day three. I had been wanting to try yoga, James, for a while, but it's hard to, you know, as a middle-aged. Well, I'm not middle-aged yet. I'm only 32. Some people listening will be surprised to hear that. But as a guy, you know, getting into his 30s, I didn't know how to break in with yoga. I, you know, maybe I show up somewhere, but that'd kind of be weird to some guy alone. Uh, in the back of the class. So I, you know, I'd always kind of wanted to, but never really found an opening. My brother, though, bless his heart, this past Christmas got me Diamond Dallas Page Yoga, DDP Yoga. And I'm loving it so far, James. This is not a paid endorsement. DDP does not endorse this show or sponsor this show. But DDP Yoga has been great through through day three. Yoga Clay, look at what this uh, this hiatus has done to the world. Clay's doing yoga. I'm a yoga I, I have a yoga. No baseball, I guess. I have a I have a yoga mat, and I've never used it um, because I I've too have been a little uh, you know hesitant to go to a public yoga class <laughs> and then like have the instructor just be appalled at my lack of flexibility. Uh, I'm glad maybe, I did it from home initially because day one was like really embarrassing. Nobody was around, but I was still embarrassed yeah, I, because I was like falling I probably, over. I probably should uh, get into that as well. I mean, I, I could do it from home and then eventually maybe work up the courage to go to a, a public place and try it. Yeah. You know, what's the best thing I like about it is, well, I've realized that my my posture and my spine must be like among the worst in the world, James, uh, because <laughs> – Doing this, like, there are some epic cracks, and I'm my back has been cracking, like, I mean, just lighting up my back, just stretching, pop, 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 right up my spine. It feels amazing. Some, like, you know, you'll be going for, like, 10 minutes. It'll build to this big, massive, epic crack in your back. It feels like basically a chiropractor is just stretching you out. It feels great. Um, so I've been loving that. I uh, Diamond Dallas Page at certain parts, multiple parts of this was, like, you know, your spine is like an old rusty rod that you have to move back and forth to get the rust off. And I felt like he was talking directly to me. 20-grade 20, 20 spine, 20-grade posture. <laughs> it's horrible. It's amazing. Like an eye-opening just, I don't know, just when you actually like stretch a little bit. You get blood flowing to different parts of your body. And uh, I don't know. It's just something to do. Uh, but, yeah, let's uh, get into your article, James. You're still writing? And I thought your topic this week was very interesting because you decided, you know, no games going on. You decided to peel back the curtain a little bit, look at your process and kind of evaluate that process a little bit. Yeah, I, you know, I think that, you know, sort of the bread and butter of what I provide the subscribers is the top 400 prospect rankings. And uh, I thought this was like, I don't have time during a normal off season to do really you know i do those team articles where i go through every prospect that's relevant and every farm system but i don't get a chance really to go um in depth into my top 400 and, and why i have guys where i have them uh obviously i write up the outlooks for like 250 of those guys um but i thought this would be a good opportunity for me to just kind of peel back the curtain kind of as far as i possibly could so that people could just sort of see like which guys gave me the most trouble which guys sort of keep me up uh the most 
at night just in terms of like, trepidation with with where I have them ranked and um, you know how how those ranking decisions could go wrong for me if I'm wrong about this or wrong about that and so uh, I highlighted a few guys that I am worried I might be too low on a few guys that I'm worried I might be too high on and and that was just from prospects one through 25 so then next week i'll be doing 25 through 50 and on and on we'll go uh but then i also included sort of a table to sort of show where i think the tiers are among those top 25 guys and i provide where each player in that top 25 was ranked on october 1st and on january 1st just so people can kind of sort of see uh their trajectory uh, during this offseason period. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm looking forward to the future iterations of this. And one big guy, you know, big name who we've talked about who jumps up, uh, who has jumped from the October to the, the start of this year was Jason Dominguez, 16 to 8. Now, he's a guy you go on to caution you may be a bit too high on. Why do you fear that that is, might be the case? Like, are you hearing whispers that maybe this is overblown? No, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, like, you know, I'm not moving him or anything. Like there's nothing that's down on his stock or anything, uh, of late, but it is just, it's one of those where I have a little trepidation. Like, it's like, I'm ranking this guy who's never played a pro game in the top 10. I think that it will pay off for people. I think that it's the right place to have him. But it obviously it's one where I could look really stupid, like if it doesn't pan out. And so uh, I just kind of tried to explain sort of why I have him, where I have him, while also acknowledging like this Dominguez is probably setting a record, uh, not only in my rankings, but in everyone's rankings, just in terms of the highest a 17 year old player who's never played professionally has ever been ranked. I I would guess like I, I don't know this, but I would guess. Uh, he's the highest that he's like a MLB.com or baseball America or wherever. I'm sure he's higher than any player of his ilk has ever been ranked. So uh, just kind of a, an interesting test case to sort of see how high we should be willing to push these really, really elite J two talents. Yeah. I mean, I I'm with you on him. He looks incredible, but you know, it's a good to offer that other side of the coin and, you know, at least acknowledge it. And keep your keep your mind open. Of course, we always want to do that. But I think it's interesting. You know, you did break these into like tiers, and the tier one guy uh, on his own up there, Wander Franco. We know that. Then tier two is Gavin Lux, Julio Rodriguez. I think it's interesting that Joe Adele not in that tier. He's uh, heading up tier th- uh, three, and I just think that's interesting because he's not quite in that mix for you. And I think a lot of people would have him in there. I'm wondering more so about Adele how this potential for a shortened season might impact him specifically? Uh, it would be pretty bad for Adele because he, you know, he's a guy that needed to go to AAA in the first place to uh, earn that call-up. You know, he wasn't going to break camp on the big league roster. And so, you know, whenever the minor league season gets going – uh, he will head to AAA, and if we, I mean, we could be talking about like a severely shortened season. You know, like we could be talking about eighty games. Uh, who knows? Like, I'm sure they they obviously want as many as possible. Uh, 
but yeah, the it, owners it, are holding out hope for like what was it? What was the recent thing? Like 140, 150 with weekly double headers or something? Yeah, yeah. Now still seems pie in the sky a little bit. <clears throat> I I highly doubt that happens. I would I would take a hundred games right now. Like if I could, if you told me we could find a way to do a hundred games, I think that'd yeah, be a huge win. Take that in the uh, snap snap call. Yep. And so with Adele, I you know I I was sort of expecting him to spend at least the first forty or so games in the minors. And so the shorter the season is, the less there are the fewer games that I think he will play. And it could get to a point where like, you know, if it's a if it's an eighty one game season or something like that, and the Angels, you know, you get to the halfway point or whatever and Adele's maybe not lighting the world on fire or they're, you know, kind of a fringe wild card type of team or something. Maybe they just kick the can down the road and wait till 2021. Uh, I, I think it's it's not quite as bleak for Adele as it is for, like, I think this is awful for, like, the Tigers pitching prospects uh, yeah. be, because, like, there's just, why like, why the hell? Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, th- there are certain guys who are maybe more negatively affected than Joe Adele, but uh, I certainly don't think this helps his uh, prospects for 2020. You know, I even thought about that with like Kelnick. I was like, man, that team's going to be terrible. Why even, yep. you know, over a full 162? Sure, you want to, you'll burn that clock. But you know, him and Rodriguez, it's like maybe, maybe that's not such a lock yeah. as I thought it was. Um, Luis Robert, you have, you know, you've kind of always had him around this range, four or five. You still admit you may be a little too low on him. You've been preaching this for a while just the downside risk the plate skill issues that do open up that downside risk um any new thoughts on robert like you acknowledge that you may be too low on him but this is still a very aggressive i mean very high rank obviously well i you know i for all of these guys it's like i'm keeping them where i have them right now but it's just an acknowledgement that, you know, I think Luis Robert would hit 245 this year. If he hit, even even if he hit like 265 this year, then I think I would be too low on him having him fifth. Uh, so it's just it, like pegging a really, really toolsy guy's hit tool who has never played in the majors is one of the toughest things to do in pro scouting. And there's just a, such a wide range to me with Robert. Like I could see him hitting 220 this year. I could see him hitting like 270. And where he falls there is inevitably going to kind of make where I have him ranked look good or look bad. Or you know, I mean, it, it's just it's one of those where I think we'll find out within the first two or three months of his big league career where he should have been ranked. And and so I'm just you know, there's a little bit of trepidation there. And one of the biggest risers from basically what was the end of last season to uh, this year was Spencer Howard. And really, before camp was suspended, it was sounding more and more like Howard was going to break camp. And if this is a shortened season, I mean, and with the Phillies and how much they have going for 2020, I, I see this more and more as a lock for him to be in that opening day rotation. Yeah, we. I think you know, we've been talking about that for a while as a as a strong possibility just because that's where all of the uh motivating factors were kind of pointing and, and you were actually drafting him among the two of us 
I did get one share in Tout Wars, but you were drafting him for, I mean, all off season, Spencer Howard. Yeah, I have a lot of Spencer Howard shares. Uh, well, I mean, we'll see. Uh, don't want to. It's certainly. It's this is the last time uh, that anyone should be taking any sort of fantasy victory laps. Yeah, but I'm just saying, uh, like, yeah, right, you've yeah. Been beating this drum for and, months and months. And he's just he's like the prototypical type of guy that benefits from a shortened season because. Uh, really just all of those high-end pitchers who are ticketed for around like 130 innings, all those guys just benefit hugely if it's a, a shortened season. And uh, the Phillies, like there's there's so much more kind of uh, random variation that will come into play in terms of teams that make the playoffs in a shortened season that all these teams in the National League, with the exception of like the Marlins and the Pirates, uh and the Giants probably think they have a shot, right? So I, I think the Phillies will empty their holster to try to get into the playoffs if we have a, a shortened season. Yeah, really good stuff in this article. Just the good, you know, the way to evaluate things and talk about prospects. Creative way to do it with no games going on. You didn't move Drew Waters down, it looks like, since the end of uh, last season, but yet you say you still may be too high on him. What's your thinking there with Drew Waters? Yeah, he, I, you know, I did some minor tweaks to the top 25. And I'll, as I go through this series every week, I will adjust that specific section of the rankings as I see fit. And, you know, this is a helpful thought exercise for me, too, in that regard. Like, I'm basically going through a long top 400 update and sort of explaining everything as I go. Uh, Waters. You know, he struck out a ton at AAA. He struck out even more this year in big league camp. Uh, both of those are very small samples, but, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hit tool guy. And at a certain point, you, there, you know, doubt starts to creep in a little bit where it's like, yeah, he's super, super young. Um, and honestly, I, that it'd be, this might sound crazy to say, uh, just given, the statistical totals in terms of home runs and stolen bases for the two guys. But I actually think he's, he's kind of a poor man's Lewis Robert where the power and the speed are not in question. It's just the hit tool. And, uh, he has just a really quick bat. His hard hit data for a player, his age is elite, like really elite. Um, so there's, I don't really think there's much denying the fact that he's a, a power speed guy. It's just what batting average comes with that. And you sort of wonder how the Braves go about handing out opportunities in that outfield with Christian Patch, the superior defender, with Austin Riley uh, still hanging around, likely at third base. But, I mean, you never know. Um, they, they've just got a lot of mouths to feed. So I, I ended up bumping Drew Waters from 10 to 19. And it it feels a little bit better. And then I moved Alex Kirilov up a few spots. Uh, I just I'm I'm growing more and more confident in Kirilov's just having success right out of the gate against big league pitching. And then uh, I moved Marco Luciano up one spot. Just a, just a few minor tweaks, but Drew Waters moving down to 19 was probably the big one there. Yeah, that's pretty significant. You mentioned Drew Waters' hard hit numbers in the minors. We have that minor league hard hit data on the site. 
Uh, I love com- combing through that, and now with nothing but time on my hands to do yoga and whatnot, I'm going to be c- combing through those minor league hard hit numbers a lot. Um, but with him, like, is he a guy that you push back his ETA, Drew Waters, to 2021 pretty confidently? Did you already have yeah. him there? Okay. Um. Well, no, I, I haven't actually. I haven't done that yet. I'm. I'm. I'm trying to figure out when the best time to do an ETA sweep is going to be because yeah, yeah. So so much uncertainty right now. Yeah, there's so many guys whose ETAs could get pushed back a year with this. Uh, so I'd, I assume that you know when you're at home, you could kind of do the math on on some of these and understand that this is going to affect a lot of those ETAs. I'm kind of hoping to get a little more clarity, but eventually I'll, I'll just start going through and pushing a bunch of guys back. Yeah, but I'd imagine he'd be a guy. Yeah. You know, yeah, probably. Especially if it is shortened to half season, 100 games even. He could be hard-pressed to crack the big leagues. Before we move on to the hip-hop portion of the show, I just want to you know talk a little bit about baseball-related things going on in my world. I'm trying to get the tech crew to add a closers-in-waiting rank to the closer grid page because, James, you and I – Last week on the XM show, just went back and forth drafting closers and waiting. Not just you know the top set of guys, the guys that you may see on relief pitcher ranks where they take all five categories into account. So you'll see like you know Craig Stammons and those you know kind of low K, but or you know Yasmero Petit. Maybe he does. Maybe he is the next man up. But I just don't see him as a you know closer, the guy who's you know really within reach of saves specifically. Uh, so you and I did that, and I thought that was kind of fun. I thought, you know, we ha- we don't have a real closer and re- waiting rank up on the side. I thought that might be kind of cool to add. The, the official results from that draft we did, Will Smith of the Braves was the top pick, Daniel Hudson of the Nats, James Karinchak, Corey Knable, Scott Oberg, Kevin Ginkle. I kind of regret that after I didn't realize, you know, it was only a couple appearances, but he had he got rocked in the spring. Um, and they do have strokes. So I kind of wish I would or no, they don't have Strope. Who do they sign? Hector Rondon. Um, so I do kind of wish I'd had that Ginkle pick back. Then Diego Castillo, Rowan Wick, Yimmy Garcia, Matt Barnes, Ryan Helsley, Ryan Presley, um, Rafael Montero, Trevor Gott, Ty Buttry, Michael Lorenzen, Emilio Pagan, Richard Lovelady, Dylan Batances, and then um, Andres Munoz, like hours before it was announced, he underwent Tommy John. So that was uh, unfortunate timing. But I just think... You know, doing a lot of digging around at the bullpens and some of those uncertain ones like San Francisco, you know, maybe Tyler Rogers gets in there. I'd mentioned we drafted Gott in this. I did. Um, also in Kansas City, I thought it's amazing. Like Trevor Rosenthal, you know, he was probably going to make that club, James. I did a ton of notes on Royals relievers for the site this morning. And yeah, I, I was sort of. Uh really sifting through that bullpen hierarchy out there and uh rosenthal and greg holland a couple of washed up uh once closers yeah. are are set to make that bullpen um one guy actually though that stuck out to me who i might prefer to love lady um sort of just based on what i'd been reading it, it sounded like love lady was going to open in the minors but uh ever since glenn sparkman uh, got transitioned to the bullpen. He's yeah. been sitting 90, 96 to 97 with the fastball, had excellent numbers this spring training. Uh, I knew that I, guy was getting a bump, velo bump in relief, the spark, man. I, that's an interesting <laughs> one. I, I was tweaking like the closes and waiting rank on like the, by, by team. 
And I moved Rosenthal to number one. <laughs> like, oh, this no. Guy, this guy looked toast last year. But, hey, 9-0 to zero K to walk in a scoreless spring showing. Um, and do you know who the manager is, right? I, I do. I do. <laughs> uh, old former friend. skipper in St. Louis. Yeah, I don't know. I friend, just, friend of the show. Friend I of the show. don't think it would be a Tim Hill or a who the hell no, else they, they, that, they have. That's, that's Scott, not a something. bullpen – uh, that's not a bullpen where they are going to just, and that's, that's Scott everyone Barlow. kind of knows this, but like, uh, you know, just because a guy's the setup man doesn't mean he's going to be the closer if a guy goes exactly. down. Obviously, um, that's why on the you know on our depth chart and because these are fantasy depth charts. Yeah, I did move the, both Rosenthal and Holland ahead of Tim Hill, Scott Barlow, but Sparkman. That's an interesting. Josh Stalman had a pretty good spring as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Stalman is someone that yeah i mean if, if he can ever figure out the control he could be pretty awesome but i feel like he's a year away at least from from getting high leverage looks uh, but yeah i mean it's it's interesting that we're spending so much time on this bullpen because i actually do like ian kennedy yeah, me too. <laughs> but, but it's uh yeah it's interesting to kind of poke around in there yeah we have this rumors section of the site now and I was writing some rumors up, and yeah, like Holland and Rosenthal, and you know Holland has that experience with that organization. But with the fact that it's Matheny now and Rosenthal, he had a good spring. I just, you know, that's all. That's all Mike Matheny needs. A couple good spring outings. Hey, he's the old Trevor Rosenthal again. So yeah. I do think if it's Ian Kennedy to lose the job, it's probably one of those guys. Maybe Love Lady, maybe Stal. Uh, Sparkman, maybe Stalmont, but not Tim Hill or Scott Barlow. I think we can pretty confidently say that. Um, James, you and I were tasked with a little something, which was fun. We talk hip-hop on this show, and um, we were asked if we would create brackets at the StatCast era, Adam on Twitter. Uh, Adam Waller. Adam Waller, okay, cool. Uh, pitcher list, it looks like. Um, but yeah, I appreciate him asking us to do this, including us, because uh, basically what we're doing is ranking the top 16 albums from each region of the U.S. map, hip-hop albums, and then those are basically their seeds in that individual region. So, you know, we're going to have different regions competing in different brackets, then finally an epic Final Four in a final showdown to determine what I assume is the greatest hip-hop album of all time, decided by you. The people yeah i'm really looking forward to this uh had a lot of fun uh hopping on a podcast with adam a couple weeks ago uh and yeah he reached out and i immediately jumped on the east coast uh i knew you would i think you you got sniped on the south Dirty so you south, had to settle yeah. for the west coast but uh I, I, with it. I was fine with it I mean, there are probably few people out there more qualified to rank East Coast hip-hop albums than I am, uh, someone who's grown up in Wisconsin. Um, but look, <laughs> I, I'm a connoisseur of East Coast hip-hop albums. and You've been and watching closely that. from afar, James. <laughs> I know this. been monitoring the situation. You know what, by the way, this is completely random, but you know what I've wanted to do, and now that I have a lot of time on my hands, hands I'm going to do it? I want to create like a coffee table, but like right under the glass, it's just like albums, but like they're like the no limit ones with the weird plastic, like rigid light blue <laughs> yeah. plastic covers and stuff like that. 
Yeah, uh, those, uh, I want to make a coffee awesome. table with with a wrap uh, CDs underneath. But so you had the East Coast. I took West Coast. What was your thinking going in? Did you want to have like any boundaries you wanted to set for yourself when picking the top sixteen East Coast hip hop albums of all time? Yeah, I did. So I, I mean, I think the East Coast is the deepest region, and uh, I I didn't feel right about. You know, I could have had multiple Biggie albums. I could have had like three Jay Z albums in there. I could have had a bunch of Wu Tang albums and and that type of thing. Uh, but I did. I wanted to do sixteen individual artists for the East Coast just because of how deep it is. Uh, I did have like I had one Wu Tang album, and then I had a a couple albums by individual members of Wu Tang. I didn't feel like that was too much overlap, but uh, just because I I didn't, there were so many awesome. MCs and groups that I didn't want to leave out. I didn't want to just put a bunch of albums from the the top guys in there just to kind of. I wanted I wanted more people to sort of get some recognition. I like that man. I do. I I think that's good. I basically you know I saw your bracket before I did mine. I tried to follow the same basic rules of one per you know one per solo artist. Although I did make one exception, a notable exception, we'll get to that. And then otherwise, you know, I did include some groups that incorporated some of these solo artists, uh, like you did with Wu Tang and whatnot. So, uh, but I did try to stick to one per for the most part. Um, do you want to go first, James, or should I reveal my West Coast bracket first? Um, should we? Yeah, I guess, yeah, we, we should maybe keep it to regions. Uh. I don't mind going first. All right, let's um, hear. I think I've seen. Yeah, I've so seen most of it. Should I go? Should I go just sort of all the way down then, and you can kind of tell me where I'm where I went wrong? Sure. Yeah, I, I won't have much harsh criticism because uh, I've seen the list. And I know it's it's good. Okay, so number one seed, uh, I went Nas Illmatic. I know that. And, and this wasn't 100% like my 16 favorite albums of the East Coast. I, I tried to incorporate a lot of that, a lot of my personal feelings, but I also sort of, um, I wanted the bracket to kind of look right uh, to yeah, just same, the same. casual fan. Um, so I went Nas with the number one seed, Illmatic, Ghostface, number two seed with Supreme Clientele. Uh, I had to pick one Jay-Z album, uh, I think... Any of Reasonable Doubt, The Blueprint, The Black Album would be valid uh, picks, but with the three seed, I went with Jay-Z's The Blueprint. Um, That's a great one. You know I have some animosity toward Jay, but I still love (laughs) that one. Four seed, I went with Notorious B.I.G.'s Life After Death. Uh, There were a couple cases where I, I personally preferred one album um, we'll get to in a second um but i went with a different one just because I, I knew i was in the vast majority with this one i did not bend i know that most people would go ready to die but i like life after death more um sue me it's my list uh double disc biggie uh four seed then five seed raekwon only built for cuban links six seed oh, yeah. wu-tang enter the wu-tang 36 chambers this is one where I, I personally like Wu-Tang Forever more, but it's really close, and I know that I'm in the vast minority there, so I, I went with Enter the Wu-Tang. Uh, number seven seed, I went Mob Deep, 
the infamous. Oh, yeah. That was a, a no doubt inclusion. Uh, eight seed gangstar moment of truth. Uh, had to get a gangstar album on there. I think moment of truth really, really holds up. I think that's a classic album. Yeah, uh, Cause you can't put like full clip on there. So yeah, I like, right. I like that. Uh, this was a really tough call. Uh, I wanted to put a Tribe Called Quest album on there, and I was really torn between Midnight Marauders and the Low End Theory. Uh, I went with Midnight Marauders with the Nine Seed. Uh, I just I sort of like the sound of that album a little bit more, um, but I, I, I don't think you could go wrong with really any Tribe album uh, being included here. Uh, Ten Seed, uh, De La Soul. I went with uh, Balloon Mind State. Um, that's not, you know, they, they often get sort of credited with like three feet high and rising and De La Soul is dead as sort of being their classic albums. But I think there's just too many skits on those and the, the sound doesn't hold up uh, quite as well as balloon mind state. So I wanted to go with that one. Uh, yeah, De, La, De La Soul is a little bit of a blind spot for me. I got into them for like a month when they had like some single out, but I need to do more research into De La Soul. Yeah, they're they're very eclectic, uh, but they're they're one of my favorite groups to listen to. Kind of un- unfortunately, they are not on like most of their classic albums are not on Spotify, so I have to flip over to iTunes when I want to listen to them. But um, Eric B and Rakim, "Don't Sweat the Technique," I went with as the eleven seed. This is another one uh, like "Life After Death," where. I know that most people would have gotten paid in full here, but I just, I don't care. I'm going with don't sweat the technique. Uh, I like that, you know, we had the freedom to have, have some fun with it, you know, do our, do our yeah. thing. I got some ones that are a little, uh, out of the woods, um, <laughs> a little out there. <laughs> um, 12 seed, AZ, do or die. Um, very nice. Loved AZ. He's, who, who yeah. He's the, probably one of the more Fox? underrated. What was the, the rapper Foxy, Fox, Brown? Foxy Brown? Yeah, yeah, uh, the firm, the firm, um, yeah, firm biz. And then uh, thirteen. This is where I kind of, you know, all these other albums that I've had in here are very critically acclaimed. Uh, you know, I think you know five Mike type of type of stuff, double XL type of stuff. Uh, Cameron's Purple Haze made the thirteen seed for me. Uh, a frisky thirteen seed, certainly not rapping about any kind of advanced subject matter or anything like that, but uh, a really funny album, a really an album where I think all the tracks really flow really well. Uh, and then 14 seed public enemy fear of a black planet. We kind of talked about that a little bit last week. Uh, 15 seed slick Rick, the adventures of slick Rick. And then the 16 seed, I wanted to have a roots album on here. Uh, the other 15, I believe everyone's sort of based out of uh, the five boroughs in New York. Um, the Roots are from Philadelphia. I love a lot of their albums. I think Phrenology is probably their their closest thing to a classic in my mind, but um, that one was that was a tough call. That seems you know all really good. I am surprised a little bit just given that you took – uh, Ghostface over Nas in your um, in this draft that we're doing that you actually had Illmatic one. I, I can't make any you know argument against it. I would probably have Supreme Clientele as number one personally. It's but. 
it's a loaded region. I mean, whoever I mean, gets, I mean, that's a dangerous two seed. Like, I mean, that, I mean that's, that's the type of two seed yeah. that could, could win the whole thing, you know? Yeah, that's true. And I mean, that Slick Rick, Adventures of Slick Rick, that could be, a, you know, a darling sleeper could knock off. <laughs> I don't know. Um, my 16 seed ain't upsetting my one. I could tell you that much <laughs> right oh, I now. Will, I will quickly say the, the toughest omission for me was, DMX's flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. Ooh, DMX, yeah. DMX did not get included, but it, it was painful. I mean, the, the East Coast is tough. Yeah, that's a really tough one. You know, for the West Coast, basically, you know, I just started listing to my top favorites. Then I realized, you know, there's some that I had to include. I felt a little bit forced to include a couple of these, but not like, you know, pulling my, you know, making me do it too hard. I just felt like... You know, some of these I like, but maybe, you know, if I was just going straight off my list, they'd, they wouldn't make it. But I felt like they need to include Easy Does It, straight out of Compton. I like Easy Does It, and I like Easy quite a bit. But, um, you yeah, know, West Coast actually gets pretty, you know, pretty good, too. It's pretty stacked. But with that rule to kind of limit to one album per artist, um, I was going down. But then I felt like at the top, I was like, wait, do I do Dr. Dre, The Chronic, or 2001 for this top seed? Then I was like... You know, I don't think I can leave either of these albums off of this. So Dre was my one exception when it came to deviating from that one album per per artist rule. And so I had 2001 as my number one seed. I like it more than The Chronic, but I felt like both had to be on there. So my big four, I felt like the four the top four seeds locked in pretty easily. 2001 by Dre, Tupac, All Eyes on Me, Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style, and then Dr. Dre, The Chronic. Yeah, I, I think you did the right thing by including both of those Dre albums. And I think there's kind of a distinction there because Dr. Dre, you know, one of the maybe the best producer in the history of music. I mean, you could probably make that argument if you wanted to. Yeah, but, Rizzo. Uh, Rizzo. but, you know, like he both of those albums, they're classics. But I mean, he's not rapping over like 80 percent of each of those albums yes. like a lot of those those are basically kind of like death row compilation uh, compilations yeah. and like aftermath compilations kind of you know so i think you made the right call there nice then we get to number five the dog pound dog food one of my brother's favorite albums and i love it as well let's play house a great a single from that next up number six seed ice cubes america's most wanted you argued for you know, what was the name of the Ice Cube's other top? Uh, death, death Certificate. Death Certificate. My favorite Ice Cube. You know, I need to give that more spin. I've listened to America's Most Wanted quite a bit, and that's great. Um, but I have to listen to Death Certificate. Uh, number seven, NWA Straight Outta Compton. That was one that I felt like I just kind of had to include. Then I had some fun with it. Mac Dre, The Genie of the Lamp. I'm a big uh, Furly Ghost guy. And R.I.P. Mac Dre. Genie of the Lamp. He had so many albums. I don't know if it actually is his best, but it's the most fun for me and the one that I can you know, jam along with still to this day the most from start to finish. Too Short. Life is too short. I love Short Dog. He's the best. Same with E-40. I know you're not a fan, but I'm a big Fonzarelli guy. In a Major Way was a classic. Eleven Easy Does It. Corrupt. I told you that I feel like most people would probably put The Streets as a mother here. I'm going with Space Boogie Smoke Odyssey for corrupt here at the 12 seed number 13 loonies operation stackola 14 nate dog music and me i wanted to give nate dog some love and this was actually an album that got a lot of spin in the link 
household when this came out, I, like 2004 I, or five. I still own that album. I That's own uh, both of Nate Dogg's first albums, actually. So the next one was East, the East Siders. Snoop Dogg presents the East Siders. But apparently Adam's going to sub this one out because I did leave Kendrick Lamar off. You brought that up. He know, That was the first thing he said. Look, I'm just not – I'm not over the moon with them. I realize that I'm, <laughs> I'm like in the bottom 1% here, but I must be missing something. I mean, I like him. He's fine. Um I don't know about a top well, 16 no, album of all time. Good Kid. I mean, I would probably put Good Kid Mad City in my top 16 um, if we weren't even talking about regions. I mean, ah, I, I, okay. it's an absolute classic. But you know, uh, That's on me because I just haven't given him a fair shake. I've listened to and, him, but I've always kind of like been had this attitude toward it and not been fair I'm, to the music. Well, look, I've done that too. I, I've... Uh, I, I mean, Adam mentioned Childish Gambino to me. I, there's just like I'm I'm so old relative to like I, I think once you get to a certain age, you kind of don't necessarily care as much about what's new, and you just are sort of stuck in like what you really yeah. like. Um, and the artists that you like, you know, I listen to some new music, but it's from all the artists I used to like. You know, yeah, I, I mean, know, I, so I'm stuck I, in that. Uh, I assume I don't have to push Kendrick up my board in this draft. I assume you'll you'll save him for me for for later. He wasn't even on my board. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, I realize that I'm like in the wave minority there, and so he's going to add him in place of uh, probably Good Kid, Mad City in place of the East Side. Is I think that's the right move. I mean, yeah. when you East Side, it's just like <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, you're not a fan of that one. I liked that album, although I couldn't tell you who either of the East Siders were or are. Uh, but I told him to, if you were to put in a Kendrick one, swap it in for the East Siders because I wanted to keep Tash's rap life on there. I um, I said a few weeks ago that I felt Raekwon's Shaolin versus Wu Tang was the most underrated, one of the most underrated albums of all time. I think Tash's rap life may be the most underrated album of all time. Uh, Tash was, I think, a part of the Alcoholics with like Exhibit. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. So, and I actually, after I had made this list uh, this past weekend, I went through and listened to Rap Life, and it uh, it solidified my standing. I'm fully dug in <laughs> nice. on Rap Life. It also came with an excellent double disc uh, in that era. Uh, it was kind of like a compilation double disc. Uh, that second disc on there, but you know, Jesus, Jesus is great on here. Rap life with Raekwon smoke fest, 1999 with outcast be real. Um, true homies, Bermuda triangle. There's some really good stuff on this. And I was looking at, yeah, as I was listening to, I was listening on YouTube and these have like, you know, 10,000 views. (laughs) Like nobody knows about Tash's rap life. Um, and I just wanted to at least make more people aware by including it in this bracket. Well, you've uh, you fought the good fight. Yeah, I've made you aware at least. Um, <laughs> we'll see if you ever get around to it. Probably not, but that's all right. I'm standing by this as one of the most slept-on albums of all time, Tash's Rap Life. So, James, that was fun. I'm looking forward to seeing what the guys in the Dirty South and what, the Midwest? I was like, I'm not doing the Midwest. That was on the board, and I was like, I don't even think I could fill out 16 albums. I mean, I, I would just put in like all of – the all of the bone thugs all the kind and all the common albums and i'd probably just call it a day or yeah. <laughs> like probably some thugs, M&M, I yeah. Guess. Yeah. 
Bone thugs would have occupied quite a few spots. Maybe like even some solo, like busy. <laughs> you get into crazy. Like six or seven like bone thugs affiliated albums. <laughs> yeah, like they had that one that was like thug matrimony or something. That was um Trick Daddy. But they had one that was kind of like a compilation. Mo Mo Thugs, that was what it was called. The Mo Thugs album. That was Bone and some other affiliates. Uh, good stuff, James. We are on to our next round in the rapper draft. And this is one one I've been weighing back and forth all week. Especially after creating this bracket where I have two Dre albums, top four, and he's still on the board. Yeah, and you have first pick, right? I know. So I was, uh, for a long time, I was dead set on this. Going Dre here to, I mean, pairing him up with Rizza in a producer spot. That'd be, that'd be tough. And that would be. Look, I, I'm not gonna lie. He Dre is one of my first choices at producer. I I think I'm my my strategy here is probably to wait a little bit more on producer. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think you could go wrong if you took Dre as a producer here. Well, that's the thing because we talk so much about how it's all about team building and um, you know balancing positions, balancing categories, roster spots, and the fact that I already have Rizza locked in. I'm going to pivot and go elsewhere because I'm looking at that lyricist spot, James. Mm. I'm seeing a black hole right there because I have Ray Kwan. He could maybe fit there. Maybe we could slot him over on the draft. I mean, you have, you have Nas and Ray Kwan. I mean, you could yeah, easily. Those are East Coast, either. and I, I want to have those heading up the East Coast because it is such a stacked region. Sure. Um, and the threshold is raised there. I want to leave them there. So I'm looking at that. <sighs> that. Um, yeah, that lyricist spot, and I, I'm going to go away from Dre, and I'm just going to say that the overall quality of work, the overall body of work from this artist is better. And this is actually interesting, too, because I think maybe you could make the case that the other member of this group should be drafted ahead of the guy I'm going to take. But I'm going to take Guru of Gangstar to fill a lyricist uh, spot. To fill a lyricist yeah. spot specifically. Um, you... You didn't snipe me for this week, but you threw your whole plans that, off. I, I did not. I did not care for that pick. <laughs> I just think you know, Gangstar, and I. I've had. I, I think I say this every week. Like, oh, I have it in my car, but I have the full clip album in my car, and I was just like, you know what? Yeah, we. Don't, I guess we'll never know. R.I.P. Guru, how great he could have been, you know, with other beats besides premieres. But it doesn't really matter because. There was no weak link in Gangstar. They were both great. And for my song, I'm going to go with Right Where You Stand featuring Jadakiss. Cheating a little bit because Jada hasn't been taken. Uh, but Right Where You Stand off of the last Gangstar album released during Guru's lifetime, The Owners. Uh, right Where You Stand holds up and is still just an absolute banger. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that I, I'm bummed that I couldn't get Guru, but... Uh... I think it's right that he was taken this highly by one of us. Um, He's an all-time you know, his, great lyricist. His, his name just doesn't come up enough when people are sort of doing their hip-hop R.I.P.s. Uh, just really tragic that he passed when he did. Um, they were they were still putting out good music uh, not all that long before uh, he passed away. So, yeah, that's... Uh, that's a good call. I mean, I, I was guru was someone I was definitely eyeing up to solidify, uh, whether it was going to be East coast or lyricist. I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, that's a great pick. 
you know, I think some people would hear this and say, what, Guru over Dr. Dre over, I mean, we have all kinds of big names on the board, but uh, you got to keep Guru's name out there because, yeah, if you're sleeping on him and Gangstar, you've uh, really done yourself a disservice. He passed away in uh, 2010, Guru, and you don't really hear, I mean, I don't hear much about him anymore. So apparently the source ranked him number 30 on the top 50 lyricists. I, I think he's a pretty easy uh, top 10 lyricist of all time. Yeah, and, and uh, like I said, Moment of Truth to me is a classic album. I put that as my eight seed out east. So if you're looking to explore some gangster, I would I would recommend starting there. But yeah, the owners, which right where he stands off of, is, is a great place to start as well. Yeah, they, I just um, I look at Gangstar and feel like they are, do not, in 2020, don't get the love they deserve. So I wanted to fill, fill that spot, although, man, that's tough to take him over some of those bigger names who I think you know, the general public would take ahead of Guru. Speaking of big names, mm. with my sixth pick, it's, uh, it's time to pop Jay-Z. Um, okay. You know that. I uh, I knew I, I probably didn't have to even take him here. I knew you weren't going to take him uh, for a while, but at a certain point, it just becomes incredibly disrespectful to uh, keep passing on him uh, when he probably, like if I were doing this against a stranger, like a random person, uh, get into a, one of those drafts online where I don't know who I'm competing against, uh, I might have taken Jay-Z first overall. Uh, but I knew I could wait on him here, but it's it's... It's past time that he came off the board. Um, well, I love to see it. That's like somebody popping sail in the second right in front of you. It, yeah, <laughs> damaged, damaged goods. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's a, that's exactly what that must seem like from your vantage point. I'm sure. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a gimme for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, like I, I have liked Jay. I definitely at one point would have had him. You know, if we'd done this, probably. 15 years ago, I probably would have had him like a top two round pick, but that love has faded for me a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, like I said, I mean, I was considering three of his albums. Uh, I think the, the three that I think most people would probably agree are classic albums. I was considering all three for a spot in that East coast bracket. Um, you know, I think they all bring something different to the table. Um, probably best lyricism is on reasonable doubt uh best production is might be black album and then blueprints probably the best combination of the two but um yeah i mean i I just think you know the the subject matter and the uh, authenticity of some of the subject matter is debatable but uh you know at peak of his peak of his powers just an elite lyricist uh elite flow uh you know, was always able to sort of surround himself with the best production. Um, and in terms of longevity, I mean, I know he's pumped out a lot of weak albums in recent years, but just kind of his 1996 through 2004 run is a, uh, you know, largely unprecedented run of domination from any, any hip hop artist. So I uh, feel, yeah. feel really good about this one. I can't really dispute that fact. I mean, he ran the game for so long. And, you know, he'd retire, then come out of retirement, like, the next day. But he was still, like, the best whenever he did. But then, you know, I don't know. I thought, like, maybe 10 years ago things started 
trending downward, but James, I can't hate that. Um, hey, all hey, all the best. All, it happens to all the best of us, you know. I mean, like, uh, just like he, the, he kind of he had his like King Felix run, and then you know he, he hung on a little too long, and um, you know, yeah, maybe you I'm know. unfairly dinging him for that late career fade. Uh, we all see it from all the all the veterans, all the greats. But that's a good pick. And you're picking first next week, and these these rosters are shaping up. I like oh, I gotta give uh, I gotta give a song, don't I? Um, yeah, because now that Jay Z's on Spotify, right? We can actually yep. get his uh, have a full playlist. So this will be interesting. Out of all Jay Z's catalog, what one song are you gonna pick? I'm gonna go with feeling it. Off of reasonable doubt. Feeling oh. okay. I can't even. I don't even know how that goes off the top of my head. So I'm gonna have to listen to that myself. Thanks to our friend of the program, Andrew Redding, for maintaining the Spotify playlist that is not related to RotoWire. It's explicit content, <laughs> just a fan-made playlist, and we appreciate him for doing that. But uh, know that you're going to be hearing some swear words if you turn on that playlist. <laughs> James, thank you, my man. And um, anything else on your mind? No, man. Um, I'm excited uh, for the Clay Clay Link yoga phase of uh, yeah, 2020. Man. I'm getting the spine worked out. Spine, <laughs> spinal health, I guess, is my like hobby now that there's no baseball. That's just what I'm about, <laughs> about now is spinal health. James, looking forward to We'll be talking again, what, on Friday for the XM show, Friday and Saturday. We're still doing XM, so if you want more of us, we'll be on there, and we'll talk to you all again next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.